Welcome to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. I'm Eric DeGeer, business coach, massage therapist, game designer, and your host. This podcast deals with a wide range of interests framed within the five mountains, physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual. This month, we'll be focusing on the relational mountain, which involves family, friends, network, self-love, and acceptance. Enjoy. All right, here we are for another episode of the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. With me, I have Elle Browning, a relatively new friend, but already a good friend of mine. We have connected on several different issues within the massage community, and I think that she's massively intelligent and has some great things ahead of her for her coaching business and everything else that she's been up to. You want to go ahead and share with everyone what it is you do? Sure. Thank you so much for such a kind and warm introduction, Eric. I'm really happy to be here. So what I do is I teach body workers and healers how to create, market, and sell their first online course. I'm a licensed massage therapist, and I owned a massage company for about a decade where I employed a substantial team of other massage therapists, and we had corporate accounts and nonprofit chair massage accounts, as well as two locations in a brick and mortar offices in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I had always wanted to get into the online space. I was looking at so many business consultants and coaches online, creating courses and group coaching programs where you're able to really take their healing work and their message, share it with more people. They're able to really scale their businesses in a way where they had this broader, more global impact. And they were also able to earn more money doing it. And so I set out to learn how to do that. And now I teach others how to do the same. Beautiful. I think that this online space and this online community has really blossomed over the past year with everyone looking for alternative ways to create an income, especially with the pandemic and the rise of video conferencing. I mean, podcasts aren't new, but they've definitely exploded over the past 12 to 24 months. Yeah, absolutely. So we're on with Elle to talk about relationships. So this being the relational month, we're going to look at not only relationships with others, clients, colleagues, bosses, business partners, but also relationship with yourself. But today with Elle, we're going to be talking a little bit about all of those and a little bit about how to network and how to create win-win relationships within your business. So one big question, how can you make a business relationship a win-win for everyone? Such a great question. Well, I think it first comes from understanding everyone's motivations in the business and making sure that the values are aligned in the first place. Because I feel like it's difficult to make a situation win-win when people have wildly different objectives. But when we partner with people, whether that's colleagues or clients or team members, like employees, when we're all sort of working towards a common goal, I think it's a lot easier to make it win-win for everybody. I think it's just a great way to do business. And ultimately, we're all kind and compassionate people. I think the human race has got to where we are, not based on competition, but on collaboration as well. And so I think that's sort of like our instinct to be collaborative. So I think tapping into that is key and also understanding that a part of that 
does involve a certain degree of being self-serving, but that that's just an essential survival instinct. So if in business, I can create a situation where both of our need to survive benefits each other, then we can come to an agreement and work together in a way where everybody wins. I agree. What exactly do you mean by self-serving within a relationship? Thanks for asking that. I would like to use an example because I think that might help make it make more sense. So my business model, when I had my brick and mortar massage company, I would hire early career massage therapists and mentor them and coach them on how to build their own practices while they worked for me and built books of clients with me. And that might sound counterintuitive, but when you look at it, what I was seeing was that to really make the profit margins work, where I wasn't charging an absolutely exorbitant fee to our clients, I knew that to be able to keep the business afloat, I couldn't pay my massage therapists what I felt they deserved, like what was worthy of the work. And so I knew that I had to offer them something beyond just a paycheck, like something that appealed to their self-interest that they could build upon that also helped my business as well. So when they were getting something in it for them, when they were learning from me as a mentor about how to build their own businesses, it made them more invested in helping to grow mine. And in that way, it was win-win, you know? They did get, you know, a paycheck, but they got so much more, you know, I helped teach them how to fish. That's just an example of how using people's self-interest can be leveraged in a way where everybody wins, where it's beneficial for all involved. Yeah, it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship between employer and employee that creates that beneficial work environment for everyone involved. And it sends them on a good path because there's there's far too many therapists who end up working for somebody who doesn't care about them or their future. So true. It's so true. It's so true. And definitely, I know with the therapists that I hired, you know, they were maybe offered some greater pay or greater hours at other locations, but they chose my business because I do something very similar, you know, mentoring the people working for me and helping them eventually launch into their own practice, into their own business. Those massage schools just don't, they don't want to teach oftentimes the basics of solopreneurship or getting people into their own practice. And I found out recently, actually, it's a money thing. They get more funding if the therapist has full hours right off the bat coming out of massage school. So they're more inclined to push them into big chains because then they get those full hours off the bat and then the school gets the funding. Yeah, and that's where it doesn't work out for the best, like this self-interest, because can you imagine if there's, and I'm sure there's a massage school out there, but that maybe made a name for itself saying, we also teach you those business skills. Like if you want to have a private practice, we'll make that happen. Like we'll teach you how to do that. That would set them apart from so many other massage schools. You know, in that way, that win-win dynamic would draw more students to them. I also want to touch on your company culture with your massage business. Sounds really awesome. It just sounds like you offer so much to your team beyond just the financial compensation. I even integrate them into what I'm doing online. You know, they get free access to the group coaching that I do with the Massage Success Club. They get access to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist and VIP 
seats in anything I'm doing, including the local workshops. I've started up just for the general public to learn massage. They're there alongside me, not only participating as uh, learners in it, but they're also helping teach, which is a great opportunity right out of school. Being able to teach what you just learned really helps drill that into you. Yeah. Sounds like you really build a culture of learning and of support. Definitely trying to. I think that it's what I look for when hiring someone, you know, when creating that relationship with someone who's working for me is I want to find somebody who's eager to learn. Cause I think that that, and having the curiosity about massage, like they're not necessarily looking for the paycheck. I mean, they, they know that that's going to come as part of it, but they're eager and passionate to learn about yeah. massage. That's going to carry them a lot further with our industry being so earmarked for burnout and, you know, people quitting within two to two to Oof. five years. Yeah. The churn in our industry is very real. Definitely. Going back to this issue of networking, how do you network with people? That's a great question. I will seek out people who provide a similar service, but not exactly the same thing in my industry. And I think this goes across industries. Find someone who's like directly adjacent to what you're doing, where you serve a similar group of clients. It's like your target market's like similar, but you're not necessarily competitors. And I use that in air quotes, competitors, and figure out a way where you can be of service to that person and then reach out and offer to be of service. I think it's always important with networking that we're approaching someone that we don't yet know with a handout to offer something of value rather than a handout to ask for something. And that has across the board for many, many, many years. It's worked as a really great method for me to make some amazing connections and great relationships that have been great for my business um, and also on a personal level too. And I think that kind of generosity is key and it has to be heartfelt. How about you? What do you think? How do you network? You're right on the money. For me, networking, you know, when I was growing up thinking about networking within any of the businesses I was doing, it was like, okay, connect with these people to make more money or find some people who have the clients that I want. And while that's true, like you end up doing that, the networking now that I do is more value-based. And it's exactly what you're talking about, offering value first within a relationship takes it to that much higher of a level because everyone else is going around with their hand out trying to get something. But if you approach into a relationship with that value offer, if you craft it intelligently, it's a value offer for them that also helps you. It goes back to that win-win. Let's say even with this podcast, let's get a little meta with it. I'm wanting this podcast to succeed and reach the most amount of people and have people get value from it. And at the same time, my guests want to be heard and want to spread their message. So it's a great win-win having someone on like yourself for a podcast because I get an awesome episode with a cool person and get some good conversation flowing and you get to talk about something important to you and people get to hear about you. Exactly. And that's what I love about it. It's win-win for everyone and including people who are listening too. Yep. Triple win. Yeah. And those are my favorite kinds of arrangements. 
I know that a lot of people think about business and the relationships and creating that system of relationships for the network, but what does a solid business relationship look like? Like the first thing that comes to mind is pretty much what you just said, which is that it's based on reciprocity and trust. I think over the long term that both parties need to benefit and that there needs to be an equal give and take. Even if you take a snapshot of just one day at a time, maybe one side of the relationship's giving more than the other, I think overall it needs to be balanced in that way where we're both benefit and both are contributing equally. Going off of one piece of what you said, which is kind of what I was searching for a little bit, was trust. So you can have value and reciprocity given all day, but ultimately in my mind when it comes down to it it's about trust i totally agree what do you feel like trust is how do you build trust but what are some key components to that when it comes to sort of like dissecting trust and figuring out different components i love brene brown's braving model where it's an acronym and each letter stands for something so she talks about boundaries and that's being really clear on like what you're okay with and what you're not okay with and this is something that I feel like in our industry it's really common for massage therapists to be unclear with our boundaries I know I can speak for myself I have tendency to be a bit of a people pleaser sometimes and that as in earlier in my career in cultivating professional relationships would make me have maybe not as strong boundaries but the older I get and the more experienced I get, I realize setting clear, firm boundaries is a sign of respect. And it also is this like basic element for building that trust. Yeah. The longer time period that you have with someone where you keep on showing up consistently, keep on showing up authentically, you're going to build that trust. And even if you're not directly interacting with the person, like let's say um, I keep putting out these podcasts for a year, every Friday, bam, bam, just every Friday, like that builds a trust, even for people who don't even know me, they trust that after a year of me doing, they're like, okay, this guy's going to keep putting out podcasts forever, every Friday, you can just expect it. It's so true. It's so true. I think you hit on a really important point that consistency is such a major way that we build trust, not just in brick and mortar practices, but especially when we're talking about things like sharing content, any kind of valuable content online, Mm -hmm. or like you said, through podcasts, consistency is a really major component in building trust, I think. It's saying you're going to do something and then following through with it. That's where that consistency also adds onto that. Like, I love this conversation right now because I had never really fully dissected how consistency plays so much into these principles about building trust because I'm realizing it also dovetails right into that brave model, the R, reliability, you'll do what you say you'll do. Also accountability, that you're taking ownership of what you're doing. And then integrity, that you're like choosing to do what's right over what's easy. It just like ticks so many boxes. I've always been like consistency is so important, but this is making a really big case for that. Yeah. When you start digging down into it and you see all the pieces kind of that wrap back into each other, whether it's old sage wisdom from philosophers, such as Plato and Socrates, or you look at modern ones like Brene Brown, 
all these concepts are the new. It's almost like rediscovering them every time and just reminding ourselves why they're important. You know, we're going to have the feeling of quitting. We're going to have the feelings of, oh, I should stop doing this. But so that balance between consistency and like pivoting, you know, seeing mm-hmm. where something works and where it doesn't and pivoting, but maintaining that consistency of doing what you say you're going to do and showing up for your clients, for yourself and for people working for you. And can I add a little like asterisk as well, or like a footnote to that? I think if people are struggling with consistency and showing up and putting their work out there, I often see that manifest in a couple of different ways. And it can be either perfectionism is preventing folks from putting their work out there, or people can procrastinate, you know, like they said, they're planning on putting this out next week, but I'm going to put it off till next month. And I think so often in our culture, we like beat ourselves up for that. And I think it actually prevents us from moving forward. What I've learned that the antidote to that is to perfectionism and procrastination, which prevent us from being consistent and trustworthy, that perfectionism and procrastination are actually deeply avoidant behaviors. Like we're avoiding something. We're trying to keep ourselves safe. So it creates this push-pull, and it's something that I see a lot in entrepreneurs and, you know, massage therapist business owners, is this, I want to do the thing, but then I'm also stopping myself from doing the thing. So I think just acknowledging, like, how am I trying to keep myself safe, and how is that affecting my ability to show up and be consistent and develop these trusting relationships with my audience and my clients and my colleagues? Yeah, two questions that spring from that are, what am I chasing and what am I running from? Oh, I love those questions. What am I chasing? Adding on to that footnote, first of all, I wanted to mention two things. I invented a word, well, two words that really honed down a problem that I often face that I do because I like being productive, but I also like procrastinating. So I came up with two words, being procrastinating and procrastinating. It's when you know you should be doing something, like for me, writing on my book. And instead, I go and clean my room, go in and make some bone broth, go and do all these things and stay procrasti-busy. I'm like procrasti-doing things, but I'm not doing the thing that I should be doing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Procrasti-doing and procrasti-busy. And it's resonant because I think we all do it, you know? Especially when you want to do it perfect. I'm like, okay, I wanted to be perfect on this. So I'm just going to go and do other things instead, <laughs> which is totally opposite of that integrity and that showing up that we talked about because you should be impeccable with your word you know if you say you're going to do something and you're going to work on something you know even if it's just to yourself and oftentimes that's where we have it the hardest is showing up for ourselves. i'm going to say that's what's so valuable about having a coach or having a mentor or having a coaching group even is that you're putting your money where your mouth is for one you're investing in yourself So you can go and do the free groups all you want, but it's kind of like going and getting all the free samples at Costco versus (laughs) going and making a meal. (laughs) You know, you're not putting any investment in to that recipe for success. There's no skin in the game in those situations. Yeah. You're just eating all the tiny prepared samples that other people have, but you're getting that accountability. You're getting that someone there, especially if you're a solopreneur in your own business, it's really difficult because you're there on your own. And so having that mentor, having that coach can really boost your productivity. And if that's the only thing it does is make you a hundred times more effective, how is that not valuable? 
And that's something that I don't think is discussed enough in our industry and just about entrepreneurship in general is like, it actually can be a pretty lonely affair. It can be isolating in ways I don't think are talked about all that much. And it's all the more reason why like having community and having accountability and connecting with kindred spirits who are going through something similar to you is so, so important. Yeah, we could talk all day about community and the benefits of that. There's huge, huge value in finding a great community, especially one that normalizes your goals. That's one thing that I've really dug into lately, especially with like the Massage Success Club that I created, is having a group of people that have normalized getting success in their goals or normalized achieving happiness within their business. And when you're around people who have the same goal as yours, it's immensely helpful. The reverse is true. If you imagine staying in a community of people who either disrespect you or disrespect your goals or don't have the same ones, it's, it's really hard to push forward with that. So going back to these business relationships and the networking, a lot of people will be like, okay, I get it now. It's make a win-win relationship, get these relationships, but they don't know where to start. They don't know where to look. Where would you advise people to look for these business relationships, specifically for their massage business? So what I always recommend folks do is start out by looking in your local area and look up who are other healing arts practitioners or other wellness providers who serve the same clients you do, but provide a different service. So for example, if you specialize in prenatal massage, you would want to look at reaching out to other body workers or healers in your area, people like acupuncturists who help women conceive using natural methods or birth doulas or fitness classes that offer prenatal yoga, birth centers in your area, any chiropractor that specializes in working with pregnant women. So these are non-competing industries, but you serve the same client. And when you reach out to those folks, either, you know, via email, or you can like stop by their office and say, Hey, if you can have a mutual contact connect you, like maybe, you know, someone who's already their client and have them introduce you. But if not, you can still do like a cold call, but just approach them and say, hey, here's what I like about your business. I see that you serve the same population I do. Here's how I benefit that population with the work I do. Do you think that might be helpful for your clients? I, for years, had a really strong referral relationship with so many different wellness providers in my city. Among them, one of the first relationships I made was with a chiropractor of mine who sought me out because he knew I did myofascial release and we still do have a relationship over many years. And in time, mm. my team made his job easier because when they saw us for regular massage, his adjustments were so easy to give. It just provided our clients like collectively with much better care. To answer your question, when we're looking at building referral and networking relationships, I'd say look locally and look for people who are serving the same client that you do, but offering a different service. Like whose care team would you be an awesome addition to? We don't want to say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a massage therapist. Do you have clients for me? Instead, it's saying, here's how I think my work could really serve your clients in a powerful way and support the work that you do. That's a great way to look at it. Putting yourself in the other person's shoes 
really taking a look at how you can help them in their business. Going back to the self-interest, but that ultimately we can turn it into a win-win situation for everybody. How do you recommend doing networking? I recommend very much the same kind of idea. There is kind of the five mile famous, and it basically was like within five miles around you, everybody should know you. This is another way to approach it rather than, you know, reaching out and specifically targeting, you know, sniping. (laughs) This would be more of a shotgun (laughs) approach, you know, get all the businesses around you. They should all know you. They should all know who you are and what you do because people love local and especially more so now. People love that something's just down the road, that something's just around the corner, that somebody's just a block over. And if you can get all the people nearby to know who you are and recommend you, you know, even if it's just the mechanic on the corner, you know, you never know who's going to know whom to recommend and to refer you down. When massage therapists are doing networking and building referral networks and wanting people to know them, I think it's really important to lead with, and here's what's in it for you, meaning the client, meaning the prospective client, like, here's how my work benefits you. I think a lot of times as massage therapists, um, I've seen this happen where it seems like that's almost a, a foregone conclusion or like that's it's obvious. And sometimes people need it really broken down about what the benefits are specifically. And of course, like the more niche and specific you are with what you offer, the easier it is to make that case. Yeah, I've heard that for sales, don't focus on the offer so much as the outcome. So kind of like we said with like the myofascial release, you wouldn't go to a client and be like, I do myofascial release or I do lymphatic drainage and X, Y, and Z. For some clients, they won't know, you know, what in the world you're talking about. If you explain to them, you know, look, you're feeling this pain in here or there, or you're, you're receiving these symptoms, I can help alleviate those. Or, you know, we can help take away the pain or help manage the pain. We can help get things loosened up so you can be adjusted properly. You know, focusing on that outcome for people is going to go a long way. Absolutely. People buy based on their pain points and the outcomes they want, not on the method. They don't really care what the method is. And it's something that I see a lot, and maybe you do too, Eric. It's been talked about a lot in our industry too, that massage therapists so frequently reference modalities when promoting our work. And it's interesting because I was just thinking now, I'm like, well, that's because a lot of massage schools sell what they do as like, well, we're going to teach you myofascial, we're going to teach you craniosacral, we're going to teach you Swedish and deep tissue and all this. And it's like, that's how we're sold to as massage students, but that's not how we sell our services to massage clients. Because as you so beautifully said, a lot of times they don't even know like what myofascial release is or means. So like speaking in really tangible, common language about the benefits, about what's the client going to get from that massage with you like the pain relief or sleeping better or more, you know, greater range of motion with, you know, that scar tissue they've been dealing with since the car accident or whatever. That's something clients understand. I agree. Let's go ahead, hop into the game. Happy hour is what we're going to be pulling cards from today. And the happy hour game A happy hour game is one I created back in the pandemic, 2020. I revamped the 420 
weed game into kind of a drinking game. But there's really, you don't have to do drinking. You can play it without drinking. You could also make it a 420 game if you wanted. If anybody wants to buy the game, they can look on Amazon Prime or on our website, rotatogames.com, if they want to get a copy for themselves or for a friend. Let's go ahead and flip the first one. If you could make a 30-second speech to the entire world, what would you say? Oh, God. <laughs> what would I say? I think I would say something... I think it would be something about can we love each other and do the best we can and acknowledge that like we all belong to the human family and we're in this experience together. So I feel like it would honestly be a message of love and of like gratitude just that we're all here doing this life thing together and you know, solidarity. We got this. We got this. Like life is not always easy, but we all belong to planet earth. Like we're all we're all just humans trying to do this thing together. Earthlings. Yeah, earthlings. Earthlings. My fellow earthlings. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Let's be humans together and not tear each other apart so much. <laughs> Perfect. Would you rather travel forwards or backwards in time and why? I think forwards because particularly as a woman, like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to lose any rights. Or like... <laughs> don't want to leave any rights here. <laughs> that's, actually a good point. that's actually a good point. I mean, I guess that statement in and of itself says that I have hope for the future. That's good. I would hope you do. I mean, what else are we going to do, right? Okay. What is your favorite nostalgic memory from childhood? I have some really fond memories of my family going up to Canada and there was like a lake we would stay on in these like little cabins on the lake. And there were a couple other families with a whole bunch of kids that would come up to the same lake and we would just go there for a week or two every summer. And we would just like play hide and seek in the dark with flashlights in the woods. And we would, you know, swim in the lake all day and, go for like hikes and like sit around the campfire at night telling stories and I just I love that memory like I can just smell it right now but it's again sort of bringing back to the point of shared experiences and finding happiness and relationships with other people those are some really really fond childhood memories and we're still friends to this day nice yeah that was one of the things that came up I think there was this book called the five regrets of the dying written by this nurse, took care of people in their last days. And she recorded their final wishes, their final regrets. And one of them was the wish that we had stayed in contact with old friends. Oh, wow. Well, I always think too, especially the older I get, the more I realize that old friends are the only kinds of friends you can't make again. Like you can always make new friends. You can always connect with new people. And I love that. I love doing that. But you can't have any new old friends. You can't have any new childhood friends. Or... Yeah, that's really powerful to think about. Like there's that trust and consistency you're talking about. Yes, bringing it back full circle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, wrapping it up today, do you want to tell everybody else how they can get a hold of you and how they can connect with you and network? Absolutely. Find me on Facebook. 
My name is L Browning, E-L-L-E, and that's B as in boy, Browning. You can join our Facebook group, Online Course Creation for Healers and Body Workers, if you're interested in learning how to have an online course business. And you can also find me on my website, lbrowning.com. Perfect. And I would highly recommend L if you've listened to her and heard her talk and you really resonate with everything that she's been talking about today. And as always, thanks, Elle. It's great having you on. We'll probably have more talks in the future. Thank you, Eric. This has been such an honor to be on. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Peace. Peace. You have been listening to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist podcast with Eric DeGear. If you would like to join our free group, you can find us on Facebook at the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. If you would like to reach out for one-on-one coaching or to join our Massage Success Club, you can find us at thegear.biz or massagesuccess.club, where you can fill out an application. As always, see you on the flip side.